Welcome to Hue at Home, I'm Tracy Koga. Well, do you have aspirations of being a filmmaker? Well, look no further because I'm going to have a sit-down chat with Alan Wong. He's a Winnipegger that has gone from musical theater to an actor to behind the camera. And we'll find out more on what it takes to be not only a filmmaker, but a storyteller. Alan is now the director for the Gimli International Film Festival, just rebranded, and also the founder and president of Fasten Asian Film Festival. So sit back and let's hear the story about how you might be soon a new filmmaker. Well, welcome Alan to Hue at Home. It's been a while and boy, uh, we have a lot to talk about. Films, um, and especially in what we're living in, in this pandemic. Films and entertainment online has, keepin, has kept us sane, I guess, so to speak. But uh, for you, films have always been a passion for you. So I want to know more about Alan Wong, the little boy. I mean, did you, like, have a camera in your hand at five <laughs> years old? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. Um, you know, I... I that's this is funny. How far do you want me to go back? How far do you want me to? How much time do we have? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we've got to, according to this and what we're living in. Um, yeah, we've got all the time to talk. But no, okay. I want to go back like your childhood, where you grew up. Um, well, I'm a, I was born in Winnipeg. Uh, my parents immigrated here from uh, from Hong Kong. Uh, back in the 70s and uh, so I, when I was born uh, it was in Winnipeg but we were unsettled and so they moved around quite a bit lived for a while in Alberta lived in BC for a while but then ended up back uh, eventually ending up back in Manitoba um, in some rural rural communities and so in those rural communities you know they ran a, a Chinese restaurant very similar to what you know every small town has um, and so uh, when they were working all the time, it's it's pretty it's a pretty <laughs> pretty thankless job running a, a small town restaurant. You know the so they were always busy, and so me and my siblings were always kind of left to our own devices, and uh, which meant a lot of you know a lot of watching TVs and TV and movies and playing video games and reading reading books and listening to whatever and um, consuming a lot of media to kind of keep us mm -hmm. keep us. Um, entertained right and busy and uh yeah i just kind of fell in love with movies i fell in love with uh musical theater as well and um music in general um i fell in love with all of it so i, I knew that i wanted to uh be a part of the entertainment industry and so uh my first my first real love i guess uh when i had sort of like got to the age that i could really try to decide what i wanted to do um was was music and musical theater and uh so i went and got a music degree from brandon university and uh through that i also was able to uh explore my interests in acting because you know part of it was uh, part of musical theater obviously is more than just the singing but the acting as well and so even though i was there kind of focusing on the singing aspect uh, i did take like acting classes and dance classes outside of that because musical theater you have to be a triple threat right and so you know work on all those three of those skills and uh anyways i so i i discovered that i wasn't the strongest dancer <laughs> just because i didn't have the the background the years and years of background of dance uh, behind me so but i could i can move all right and so uh, i focused more on the the acting and the uh, music side of it and uh after university um 
you know, when and did a bunch of theater, did some uh, French festivals, started with the French festival, you know, got into the Manitoba Opera Chorus, uh, Gilbert and Sullivan, Rainbow Stage, uh, Celebrations Dinner Theater, and then just things kind of like evolved from there, just kept on working and and honing my craft. And then um, then I got into film acting because, you know, once you're a kind of a professional theater artist, you that's sort of like the there's a bit of a that side of act, the acting world opens itself up to you. And so I started auditioning for film and television roles and uh, doing some background um, and just learning more about that industry. And it was pretty fascinating. I I really I really loved it. And uh you know, decided to move out to Vancouver to pursue it and uh, got an agent and everything, which is, you know, kind of uh, which was new for me because uh, mm -hmm. Manitoba doesn't have doesn't really have agents for uh, for film, even for theater. Right. So, um, yeah, and was working out there and making a name for myself and making my way through uh, learning more and more about the industry all the time, like from a, from that perspective. Uh, because Vancouver is a pretty, uh, well, it's the second largest filming center mm -hmm. in Canada, right? So um, they call it Hollywood of the, nor of the North because <laughs> yeah. all the Hollywood production, since it's on the same time yeah. zone, yes. they just they, it's easy for them to come up and, and shoot tons and tons of TV shows and films there. Um, a lot more commercial stuff, which is mm -hmm. which was interesting to see that side of it. And um, for me specifically, you know, I found that I there weren't as many roles that were being uh, that were open to me mm -hmm. and so it was pretty um it's pretty i was pigeonholed a lot into a certain type of role and this is you know obviously i was younger and i was uh you know going out for these like asian gangster roles or or sometimes <laughs> doctor roles or office worker roles but never really anything uh with more i don't know more meaty or juicy just very like stereotypical stuff and uh so yeah, I realized, I got to a point where I realized that there was a bit of a glass ceiling and I wanted to, I knew that what I, I knew what I had in Vancouver and what I could do. And I could, my choice was either to continue doing the same thing that I was doing there or um, come back to Manitoba and do some retraining and start to maybe try to create or support the development of projects and roles that told stories where people like myself were the focal point uh, or to just give more opportunities to um, actors like myself or who looked like me, right? And so I just, I just recognized there needed to be a diversity, uh, more diversity in, in uh, entertainment and um, yeah. And if, you know, I've been told by many people um, that if you want those to see those stories on screen, then you have to go out and make those stories yourself, <laughs> make it happen yourself. And so I came back to Manitoba and, uh, uh, you know, started training, started taking workshops and classes about writing and cinematography and filmmaking and producing. And uh, yeah, that was that was back in 2011. So 10 years later. I've worked my way through the industry here, made some made some short films of my own, helped mm -hmm. others get made, a lot of others get made, uh, worked for a production company, worked in on in crews as a freelancer. Uh, and then now I'm uh, 
now I run the Gimli International Film Festival. <laughs> so, so there you go. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been quite a journey to oh. get to this point. Okay, so I want to ask you then, Alan, truthfully, do you think we've done a good job, uh, to put it bluntly, for a, a child like myself or a, another person of color to be able to see themselves on screen? It's, it's definitely gotten much better. I mean, the, you know, uh, since I returned to Manitoba, the, there's been such a focus uh, and energy put into uh, the diversification and, and equal representation in media. And so I feel like there it's definitely gotten a lot better and I'm very, very optimistic for the future that it's gonna continue to get better. Um, yeah, so that's I, that's the answer. It was, I would say, yes, it is, it is easier and it is better now. So, um, but there's obviously still work to be done. And so that's kind of what Fascination is about mm -hmm. is uh, to give, um, you know, Asian filmmakers and and the uh, stories, the opportunity to um, be shown another platform for them to be shown and give them a little bit more support. Well, and then for yourself as a filmmaker now, and can you put can you judge them being in, in front of the cap cap oh in front of the camera like a, as an actor, and then behind the lens? Is it two different yeah. things, or what is it like for you? Um, yeah, sure. There, of course, there's a difference being in front of the camera and behind the camera. You know, you're thinking when you're behind the camera, you think so much more about the whole, the whole project, like how it's going to look, how it's going to sound, you know, um, and how, how all the different actors play together, how they, you know, the, how the story, um, is paced, how it, how it like, uh, and how it feels, mm -hmm. uh, Afterwards, you know, is there a message? But as an actor, you're, you're way more concerned with, um, you're focused on your job, right? You're focused on the minutiae. You're focused on the embodying the character. So it's a different set of focuses. And I tried, there was one project that I tried acting and directing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, never, I'll never do that again. Just because <laughs> you're, it's two different mindsets, you know? Yeah. You, have to, you have to almost break out of it. And I think the actors who do uh, act and direct in their in their own films uh successfully um you know they must have a lot of help <laughs> you know, they must have a lot of support and a lot of help to, in order to make that to do it successfully because it is it is two different mindsets and you can't think be thinking about when you're focused on acting you can't be thinking about everything else that's going on so oh, and there's a ton of things to think about when you're on set and when you're making a film yeah, yeah. um so uh, we're going to have the, I guess, the great opportunity to see one of your short films, uh, A Dwarf's Hideout. And it has won awards too as well. So let's talk about, you know, gaining that recognition, getting your film out to a festival. What is it like? Yeah, so for an emerging filmmaker, it's so important uh, to get your film out to festivals and be shown to festivals because that gives you... it is really the only way that you're going to get some recognition or um, some also some uh, uh, credentials, I guess, behind you, because, mm -hmm. you know, obviously, if you have a if you make a short film, you can add that to your resume, you know, um, you know, whatever position you had, or if you were the, the, the filmmaker itself, then that can kind of be a part of your portfolio, right. But um, getting accepted into festivals, getting uh, winning awards, um, 
that all kind of adds to giving you some clout because there's so many people who are trying to do this now because the entry the entry level to to be able to make a short film is so low right anybody can really do it with the camera even with the cell phone nowadays and so um having those extra um accolades um achievements help your case when when you're applying for funding or when you're looking mm-hmm. for uh support looking to partner with other other uh people or entities to like make your next project right it's all part of building your career oh. well it's I'm like the- for a business getting good yeah. reviews on yelp or something <laughs> <laughs> well okay so let's just uh Go back to Adore's hideout. What was the process like for you? And you can actually maybe tell us a little bit about the story, and then we'll go right into the film. Uh, okay, sure. Um, so that was a project that I applied to the Winpig Film Group's first film fund for, mm-hmm. um, and it's for first-time filmmakers basically. And so, uh, if uh, your story is strong enough, and you seems like you've got uh, in the application, you know, um, a good team lined up, or at least have a, you know, be able to express that you know what you're doing, then, then you, you know, it goes through a jury process, and then they select, um, I, I guess, one or two films to, uh, to fund through mm-hmm. that grant. And so once we got that grant, we were able to uh, proceed with production. It was a small, small team, um, just like four people. Uh, myself, a camera person, a sound person, and another sort of like util- utility, like assistant, production assistant, to help out with things. Um, and we basically followed uh, <laughs> uh, Take and Yasuko, the the couple in the film. We followed them around for about three days, filming different things and talking to them. And really, the the point was, I wanted to know why they wanted to stay in Winnipeg. They're both from Japan originally, uh, came here for came here for school and I wanted to know why why they wanted to to stay because they finished school and they ended up settling down here and raising a family here. So um, there's a lot of reasons why people live in Winnipeg and I know for for my family um, being immigrants themselves, you know, they uh, they had their reasons and I wanted to know what these reasons were. And so it was kind of an investigation. Aww. Well, sit back, folks, and enjoy A Dwarf's Hideout. And when we come back, we'll have more from Alan and talking about two festivals. So if you're an emerging filmmaker, you won't want to miss this. This is Hugh at Home. first impression is when I, you know, visited my sister. So it was in the middle of winter, right? It's nothing to do. My sister lived in North area. So like, you know, kind of like scary. It's like a ghost town. No one was there. I used to play basketball. I love playing basketball. I thought if I come here in Canada, there's so many people playing basketball. Because I saw the basketball court everywhere outside, but no one's playing. 
I was looking for people to play with me, but I couldn't find it. Um, I didn't want to come to Winnipeg, but my mom sent me here because to learn English. But it was like middle of winter, so cold. It was like minus 30. Like I can't live here. I've been here ten, almost 10 years, Winnipeg. And winter is getting colder, 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 colder. So we're talking about we should move out, out of Winnipeg. But we decided to stay here, to open a new cafe. I was going to have just a gift shop, included my, you know, products that I made. It's called Fake Sweet Seiko. It's very popular craft in Japan. So we kind of like, do you want to do together. it together? You know? Okay, I'm gonna hire you. <laughs> <laughs> you can work at the kitchen. You know? You know, sushi restaurant is just a sushi restaurant, right? But we want to make a like new having some special yeah, new thing. No one has it. Um, yeah, no one. I was jogging by the, this restaurant and I see a sign in the window that says uh, musicians wanted for live night. So I popped my head in and ended up talking and uh, setting up the first time for me to come in and play. And I, I was just thinking about the, the idea of the, the dwarf's hideout, la cachette, dwarf no cachette, uh, which is made to be in its title uh, a marriage or at least a. Um, and intimacy of the three cultures that uh, that come to exist here in this little nook of Saint Boniface. La vie est belle, tu ne peux pas m'en convaincre autrement. La vie est belle, tu le verrais bien si tu te laisses le temps. La vie est belle, tu ne peux pas la néantir. La vie est belle, j'y crois à mourir. Um, I didn't like Winnipeg so much. But like, like somehow I started like you know started this business because of you know getting married, having babies. Um, I know lots of people here, so it's kind of like it's hard to leave. We have lots of good customer too. We never get like complain, right? Canadian customers is really nice, really nice. Like, they are so patient. Like, you know, in Japan, if you made a customer like more than 15 years, they want to start yell at you. So, I like one of the people. And, you know, Tokyo is very busy. Very, very busy. But here, you know, time goes so quickly. It's a foire of little papillons, 
The city's hottest event is happening on Saturday, April 23rd at the beautiful downtown Metropolitan Entertainment Center. It is the 5th Annual Winnipeg Nightlife and Lifestyle Awards. This year we're changing it up. We're going to recognize and honor all those who have pivoted, made a difference, supported others, and above all, found success during the pandemic. Go to the website wnla.ca and nominate now. Nominations close February 21st, and then the voting begins. Who's going to win? Well, we'll soon find out, and we'll see you at the show. Welcome back to Hugh at Home. That was a Dwarf's Hideout. I have the filmmaker here again, Alan Wong. And Alan, we're going to put on, I guess, a couple of different hats now. Let's first go to the Gimli International Film Festival because this has been a mainstay for Manitobans anyways. And uh, in the spring, or in the summer, in July, on the beach, watching movies. But it's far more than that. It's always an opportunity to be exposed to so many different filmmakers. And I guess that's the crux of why this little film fest was started. And where are you taking it now? Yeah, well, we uh, we recently just rebranded, um, adding the international to the name, and that was something that our, our board of directors was um, unanimously and enthusiastically supportive of, because just because you know the festival has grown so much over the past years, and uh, and really does reach out and to an international audience now, especially in the past couple of years uh, that the pandemic has been happening. You know, we've been forced to move our um, screenings to online and our, all of our festival uh, activities were online for the past couple of years with the exception of last year we 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 did a, a drive-in pop-up and uh, and that was a lot of fun in the community of Gimli something that you know people were really nostalgic about and and uh, enjoyed uh, but yeah mainly virtual and you know because of that we were able to um, reach audiences that maybe in the past had never you know had the ability to come to Gimli for the festival or, you know, just, uh, it's, a, it's a different time right now, right? With just with mm -hmm. the, the virus and everything. So, um, yeah. And so that's why we, we rebranded to the Gimli International Film Festival to uh, recognize that. Um, but also because I've, uh, this is my first year taking over um, the reins of it. Uh, you know, we're trying to, we are going to try to go back to in-person screenings this year. Uh, we feel that, you know, with um, with vaccines and with uh, uh, sort of like some of the um, 
protocols that the government has put in place in the past, mm -hmm. uh, in the recent past, uh, we should be able to do it safely, you know, yeah. obviously, we'll keep a close eye on what happens. And if we need to, you know, move it back to virtual, then that's always an option. We know we can do that. We know we can do that successfully. But it'd be nice to be able to like have the option of, of in person as well. And so that's what our plan is to bring it back to the community, have in person screenings, uh, kind of come back to the core elements of the festival um simplified maybe so that just in case something you know just in case we <laughs> for my <laughs> sake you know as a first time executive director i'd like to kind of keep things simple and uh and just make sure that we can pull it off successfully before uh getting getting too big again um <laughs> not that it's been too big but there's in the past we've had quite a lot of going on with the festival and uh and you know it's a very busy time it's a very busy five days no um, doubt and, and then, we are also going to be doing a bit of a, a post festival virtual festival right so everything that's all the sort of like the award-winning films mm -hmm. uh like a small selection of curated films will go online on demand for two weeks after the festival is over nice. and so that way we still retain that international audience who have, you know, first heard of us and checked us out or online over the past couple of years. Oh, and that's the beauty of online. And you're right, you know, it's people just watch uh, things so much differently now. Uh, yeah. So I and I was just going to touch on in helping the emerging filmmakers too. I mean, there's always been that 48 hour contest and everything like that, which has been so kind of cool just for our local scene. Mm -hmm. Is that going to continue or are you going to change that to help promote what's happening right here in our own backyard? Yeah, so the 48-hour film screening has always has been a part of our festival for a long time. I don't think, I don't see that changing. Um, we, we do plan on continuing that. That's part of our, uh, part of the things, that our core activities. It's very, it's very popular, very well attended, and it brings a lot of the emerging filmmakers out to Gimli. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really great event for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then your other hat as the president of Fast and Asian Film Festival. I like F3. It sounds like Fast and Furious movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. and, and this is really cool because you're really, I think, doing something that is true to your heart, correct? Yeah. So this started off um, as, a, as an initiative. I was working with the Asian Heritage Society. And uh, they're an organization that, you know, uh, basically coordinates and facilitates the events around Asian Heritage Month in mm -hmm. Manitoba. Uh, Asian Heritage Month is a federally recognized, um, uh, 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 I guess, <laughs> a month yeah. uh, long uh, celebration of Asian mm -hmm. contributions to the Canada um, and recognizing all the, you know, the and celebrating the diversity of Canada, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. from an Asian standpoint, it's very similar to like Black History Month, I guess, in the mm -hmm. States. Um, but, uh, you know, and so here we have, um, uh, usually for Asian Heritage Month, there are, you know, uh, there's a big celebration at the Forks with uh, uh, varieties, a variety of uh, uh, community groups coming out to dance and sing and, and do lots of other uh, sort of like, uh, representing their culture, right, from different Asian countries and cultures. And so from that, we did a, an Asian film night and realized there were actually quite a few uh, Asian filmmakers in 
in Winnipeg, in Manitoba. And so we started showing their shorts and then uh, thought, okay, we, we can make this into a festival. And of course, tried to do that in 2020. But uh, unfortunately, things, everything had to be canceled. Um, but luckily, we were able to um, get a grant to sort of help to solidify the foundation of the organization and <laughs> incorporate it and turn it to like a, a true nonprofit as opposed to just like a volunteer run collective community or uh, community event. And uh, and then last year, 2021, had our, we had our first uh, festival. It was virtual, um, but it was we were able to pull it off really successfully and everybody was really happy with it. And you know, we kind of did what we set out to do was um, show films, celebrate local talent, um, get people together. A lot of the filmmakers maybe hadn't you know, met each other before, uh, but we were able to connect people. Um, and we're planning to do it again this May, uh, but hopefully in person this time. Uh, and it's so fabulous. And we had talked previously in our first interview is being able to see ourselves on screen and to be a major part of a story as opposed mm -hmm. to, of being in the background and then also being able to just be creative. I mean, we've heard your story, Alan, and it's so amazing and we're so proud of you and so happy to have you here in Winnipeg. Now, I know as we're speaking and people are seeing this show, the deadline for fascination is February uh, 15th, but for you submissions, know, yes. Uh, yeah, for submissions, but you could send an email to Alan and and just say please, 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 you know, enter my film and I guess lastly, Alan, what is the biggest part, I guess, of you coming back here to Winnipeg? Um, you know, what makes us yeah. so special? <laughs> I mean, the I've always thought that Winnipeg was something special. You know, even when I was living in Alberta and BC, you know, there's there's you realize when you live away from Winnipeg that there's pros and cons to every place, right? And the pros of Winnipeg were that there was so much potential here like when it came back i recognized it like we used to have you know f maybe four or five productions a year filming here and now there are four or five productions filming at one time you know like and we've we've literally uh, uh tripled our production over the past 10 years and it's fantastic because the that just means more opportunities for people who are in this industry to work, to have to build careers in this industry, and yet still stay in Manitoba, still stay in Winnipeg. Um, it it offers way more opportunities for the actors, offers way more opportunities for um, for crew, for writers, create like all aspects of the of the industry, and you know. And the more people who are interested in the industry and wanting to create and wanting to work in it, um, that just means that there are more people interested in in the festivals, right? And and participating in them and creating a real sense of community, a real sense of yeah, a real sense of community and and fellowship like within this industry locally. Oh well, well said, and we're so happy and so excited. Looking forward to. Fascination, the film festival coming up in May, and then in, I believe, end of July, is that when Gimli International Film Festival will happen? Yeah, so, yeah, so GIF is going to be uh, July 20 to 24th mm -hmm. this year, and then Fascination will be uh, May, uh, May 13th to 15th, but with a, maybe a, a special, like, free preview night on the 12th, which is a Thursday night. We might do a free public movie somewhere out 
like Ooh. in the exchange or something. Yes, a pop-up movie. Hey, yeah. how good is that idea? Well, thank you so much, Alan. I know that uh, you're going to have a very busy spring and summer, but we look forward to all of these great short films coming out and maybe potentially a feature film, right, from a local filmmaker. Who knows? Yeah, of course. It's you of might course. have your first Lovely. feature. <laughs> if you can fit uh, that into your schedule. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't. I really can't. But uh, maybe one day. And yes. uh, right now I'm just focusing, focused on, you know, supporting other filmmakers and that, you know, I believe that, I believe karma is a thing and that, you know, maybe one day when I want to make my own, then I'll, I'll get that support back. Oh, most definitely. Thank you so yeah. much, Alan. All right. Thank you very much. So the Hive is a climbing and fitness facility. So we're bouldering only, which means no ropes or harnesses. We use mats for protection. But the four pillars of our business are climbing, education, health and wellness and community and those aspects all kind of come together to create like a five-star climbing experience. Welcome back to Hewitt Home. We want to give a special thank you to all of our guests on today's show and leave you with this question. If you had a chance to make your own film, what would it be about? We want to know, so send us an email to hello at ilikehugh.com or message us on Facebook and Instagram at ilikehew. But for now, stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you next time on Hewitt Home. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.